Cal Lowry wasn't available on Saturday, and it showed in Miami's strange overtime loss to the Pacers. I'll talk about what went wrong and unleash a new segment called Monday Madness. All that and more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. So Kyle Lowry didn't play against the Indiana Pacers on Saturday night. After rolling his ankle against the Milwaukee Bucks in the season opener, he was reportedly available to play. He could have played. He wanted to play. And yet the Heat medical staff, in a strange twist, decided not to have him out on the floor. I make no complaints about that decision whatsoever. It's an 82-game season, plus however many games it'll take Miami to win a championship this season. And you want to absolutely preserve Kyle's health for as long as you possibly can. Gabe Vincent got to start right away. I know a lot of people were upset about the decision. Again, I'll talk about that later. But let you just know right now, I don't have any issue with Vincent and the way he played necessarily. Right away, though, without Cal Lowry in the game, you could tell it was a huge difference. Different pace, significantly slower. 96 field goal attempts against the Bucks, only 91 total through overtime for Miami against Indiana. 28 assists on 51 made field goals against the Bucks, just 18 assists of 35 made field goals. Twice as many turnovers, 22 against the Indiana Pacers just 11 against the Bucks Again, albeit in an overtime game, but very sloppy play, completely disjointed. Jimmy and Bam looked sluggish, looked disconnected. They just had no feel for the game whatsoever. I tweeted during the game that they looked tired. People responded with, what? It's only game two. I don't know. I don't know if they had delays getting into Indiana. I don't think they have any kind of excuses necessarily. I don't think they're looking to make excuses, but something looked different. This was the exact opposite of whatever we saw on Thursday. That energized group showed up on Saturday and looked flat. They didn't look like they were absolutely in kind of any sort of control or understanding of the game. It was very, very odd. You could tell right away that the movement just wasn't as crisp. Players didn't know exactly where to stand. It looked very reminiscent of the worst games of last year and not a good thing not a good thing at all uh Tyler Hero once again looked incredible for Miami he led the team with 30 points had some really big moments including a big shot down the stretch to help Miami tie the game and send it into overtime uh and just looked completely comfortable a lot of it you know somewhat jokingly I don't think has necessarily anything to do with the weight he put on just seeing that confidence again seeing him continue to be willing to take those shots to be able to not necessarily create the space but just find opportunities to be able to score and capitalize he absolutely did look he, he uses a pick and roll perfectly he's got a quick fade away he knows how to unleash that jumper the floater seems like it's on and off on occasion but it was on against indiana and 30 points you can't really go wrong with anybody who's that aggressive looking to score i think he's found his role I know a lot of people want to complain about Hero coming off the bench. I still think that's where his best role is. Just at this point in time, that's where his comfort level is. We saw what happened when he started last year, and it wasn't exactly ideal. I know that was a different role where he was being asked to be the team's point guard. Well, what would have happened if he had started in place of Gabe last year? You know, or I'm sorry, on Saturday. What would have happened then? Probably not 
Probably a similar result to what we saw last season and not ideal for anybody. 30 points from Tyler, just enough to keep the heat into the game because they needed every one of those. After being down for most of the game, Indiana's biggest lead was up to 12 at one point. Miami clawed their way back late in the third with an 11-to-run run, and they actually wound up claiming the lead early in the fourth quarter despite the choppy start. It actually looked like Miami was going to steal a victory from the jaws of defeat. But the wheels started to come off midway through the fourth, and Indiana started to capitalize on Miami's mistakes, a lot of which actually came from Jimmy Butler. Again, something I'll talk about a little bit later. The last few minutes was a back-and-forth affair with Tyler and Pacers rookie Chris Duarte. He actually looks very comfortable as a scorer. Look, he didn't have huge numbers, and he certainly was inefficient with his scoring, but he's willing to take those shots, something that every team needs. And Tyler and Duarte seemed like kind of that Spider-Man meme being played out in live action. Miami needing a bucket, however, late in the fourth. They went not once, but twice to Jimmy, and he missed them both. The first attempt with about 17 seconds left, he had a shot blocked by Miles Turner, who was back in the game after getting into foul trouble early on. And then with 12 seconds less, he left, missed a turnaround jumper over Malcolm Brogdon that rolled off the rim. Unfortunately for Miami, they wound up going to overtime, and that was just a disgusting, syrupy, sticky mess with Indiana outscoring the Heat 16-5 to in the final period for their first win of the season and Miami's first loss. Not great. A huge contrast to the season opener, like I said before. The big story, man, they were just missing Kyle Lowry. I Look, it was kind of interesting to see the recap of Miami's win over the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, from a Bucks perspective, I understand you could say, oh, we were missing certain key players. Absolutely. Hats off to that. I understand that they were missing a major component of what their team does, but they were still out there with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. They still believed that they could steal a victory in Miami, even with the loss of Brooke Lopez, etc. But they also kind of downplayed Lowry's impact because he didn't put up big numbers. And I feel like that's such a microcosm of his career. It's like, oh, you play in Toronto, but you're only scoring 15 points. And yeah, you got eight assists or whatever. But, man, you're not all that good. You're not really a, a Hall of Fame player. You're not even an all-star level player. <laughs> we saw on Saturday what the absence of Kyle Lowry could do without anybody directing the offense. The players all talked about it post-game. Kyle is a big part of what they do already. Already he is a huge, crucial component to Miami looking fluid on offense and on defense. On offense, again, no directing of traffic. No knock on Gabe Vincent. And shout-out to John Crotty for being – very even-handed with that because he kept saying during the broadcast that you know Kyle is a huge part of what Miami does, and it looked lost out there. The whole team looked lost out there, but they weren't knocking Gabe Vincent. I don't think any of you should too, although I'll save that again for later on the show. I also think that Kyle is just – he's so good at finding players and pushing the pace. We saw early in the game, early in the game, Jimmy slowly walking the ball up, not exactly looking ahead to get everybody going, and Bam – was mostly relegated to half-court offense versus you know, Doma Sabonis or Miles Turner or anything like that. It looked good early on, but later in the game, when Indiana's defense kind of started to click into place, it just didn't work. You couldn't find anybody who get open shots. You couldn't find anybody who had any kind of clear look at the basket. The offense was just not moving. The lack of assists there in that game on Saturday, a huge indicator to me that there's no ball movement. Everything's stuck there. Look, that's all kind of cliche and oversimplified, but you can go back and watch plays, and you can see a lot of that offense felt, again, reminiscent of what we saw last year. Nobody moving on offense, then kind of a late bailout, dribble handoff to Duncan Robinson where it was make or miss. 
And then Jimmy Butler trying to create opportunities for himself. And unfortunately, a lot of those weren't going out. He shot below 33% on the night. Just a horrific game for Jimmy. Perhaps his worst or one of his worst. Because I assume you could probably count his playoff showing against the Bucks as the worst games of his Heat tenure anyway, but just really, really ugly. Tyler Hero bailing, bailing him out. What separated Tyler in terms of his offense is just, I, I don't I don't know. He doesn't really need anybody to get his offense. As much as he gave credit to Kyle and say, oh, I've never played with a point guard that puts me in that position to score. It's like, buddy, you put yourself in a position to score. You do a hell of a job doing it. That's just been your hallmark for, you know, that's what defines your career for the past two and a half seasons or whatever, however long he's been in the league now, too, in some seasons. He is just such a natural scorer. And, yes, there are going to always be physical limitations of which he's improving because of the added muscle and things of that sort. But, you know, the, the willingness and capability of taking three-point shots, some of which were incredibly difficult. Like, the, the, the level of which those shots were – just not your typical shots. It wasn't like he was just facing up, jab step, or anything like that. It was on the fly, midair, just realizing, oh, okay, I got to take the shot because, you know, we got a second left in a shot clock, and nailing it. Sometimes he'd miss, sure, 12 of 28. What are you going to do? 30 points, though. You need that kind of score. For everybody that was looking to trade Tyler for a bag of peanuts over the the course of the offseason, the reality is he's as gifted a scorer as you're going to get in the NBA. He just doesn't get those kind of opportunities. Why? Because Jimmy Butler's on the team. Unfortunately, Tyler should have probably gotten more opportunities late in the game, and you probably shouldn't have given the ball to Jimmy as often. Uh, that's something I'll have to save for later on in the show because I do think there is something to be concerned about. The big story, however, was Lowry's impact on offense and on defense, just the point of attack putting Gabe Vincent in situations where he just couldn't seem to find his footing. And then it was a lot of rotations, a lot of switching unnecessarily, and then getting caught uh, with bad matchups there where you just weren't able to to close out on shooters and things of that sort. O'Shea Brissett uh, just had a big game. Just not exactly the kind of the, the random scrub heat opponent that you were exactly looking at uh, on the on the scouting report there. And he winds up getting a lot of open looks that wound up hurting the team. If you can look at last night's loss, and I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and and say maybe there was something positive about this, is that one Tyler certainly is is the the biggest positive from that game, but also the fact that look this happens. This is Miami and Indiana, and for whatever reason, Miami goes into that field house and it just slows down. Maybe it's the Pacers style of play. Maybe it's just Indiana. Maybe it's something about the city, the team. I don't know. It just we've seen teams go in and out of that arena, regardless of whether you've got LeBron James or Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade or Josh Richardson, and all of a sudden you've got your team kind of just start to fall apart and get stuck in the mud of whatever that is. I'm not sure what it is about that place. It just has never been conducive to really fluid basketball for Miami, and that was certainly evident on Saturday. Partly that, I'm sure. I'm sure players would completely overlook that or, or dismiss that, just don't believe in it whatsoever. But Lowry's impact completely felt. Again, that, that huge wake-up for me, seeing the Bucks commentating, saying, oh, Lowry's not that important, he didn't put up big numbers, kind of overstated, he doesn't really raise the ceiling of the team. Like, buddy, have you seen what's happened over the preseason and that one game there? I, I just... Lowry is a huge difference maker. That's kind of scary to think about because you also have a team with other all-stars on that roster, and they should be carrying the team as well. I'll talk about that in the next segment, and you're listening to Locked on Heat. All right, NBA fans, have you heard about prize picks? 
Price Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Price Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from yards to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Speaking of easy, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about DirecTV at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. So I've got plenty to say. I'm a little fed up. Unfortunately, with some fan reaction, and I'll talk about that in the next segment. For now, I want to bring up three lingering questions about this roster and about Saturday night's ugly loss to the Indiana Pacers, and the first of which is, is something wrong with Jimmy Butler? That's what really stands out. Aside from the missing of Lowry and Tyler Hero's incredible performance, Jimmy not looking very Jimmy-esque because the expectation since day one, and we saw it play out, we saw it play out on numerous occasions, certainly in the Orlando bubble, on some occasions even in last year's ugly COVID season, and certainly during his first year in Miami, even before the season came to a close in mid-March. But Jimmy was touted as the guy who will get that bucket for you late in the games. And I'm not sure that he's necessarily still cut out for that role. And that's something that's really concerning because when you look at what Miami's offense kind of got dragged into in the fourth quarter. Well, a lot of it was give the ball to Tyler and get the hell out of the way and hope for the best. And it worked. And then when you went to Jimmy, something's gone. The lift isn't there. The shot isn't falling. I'm not sure if he's hurt. And I, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I know he looks tired. I know he looks sluggish for whatever reason on Saturday that he did not look on Thursday. And I know I sound wishy-washy or inconsistent because following Thursday's game and my recap of that huge win, I said Jimmy looked healthy, and he did. There was a lot of spring in his step. He was dunking in a way that we haven't seen often during his Heat tenure. It just seemed very, very a sharp contrast, again, from what we saw on Saturday night. And I'm not sure exactly what it is. I will say this. Jimmy didn't look great on Saturday. And the answer to my question, however, is I don't think there's anything really wrong with Jimmy. I just don't think that you necessarily want to go to him at these points. I know it's kind of how this team is structured, and I know that's how Eric Spolster is wired. And I don't think Spo is ever going to say, listen, uh, we're going to give the ball to Tyler. So, Jimmy, you kind of just stand around and see if you can attract somebody. Maybe you can wind up drawing a foul. Bam, you kind of float around out there and see what you can do and maybe make that swing pass to Duncan Robinson if necessary. But, Tyler, you go out and get us a bucket. They're never going to do that. 
That's never going to happen. You don't bring Jimmy to this team and sell him on the promise of, of building a team around him and getting him to his first championship and then say, listen, the 21-year-old kid is a better scorer than you are. So we're going to continue to go to him late in games. That's not going to happen. Maybe it's for the best. I just don't think it's necessarily ever going to happen. And to to my overall question, I don't think there's anything wrong because, again, we saw moments from him on Thursday that felt like Jimmy of old. And I don't want to do that because we did it so often with Dwayne Wade where we were saying, vintage Dwayne Wade. And it was just like, well, there was one play among several in which you know, maybe a, a few of them were not particularly good. You don't ever want to do that to aging players and continue to bring up the highlights or moments of their past and say, oh, that was reminiscent of when he used to be good. Jimmy's still very good. He was very good on Thursday. He was fine, maybe not fine, on Saturday. He was not great, let's say. I don't ever want to drag a player through the mud. I don't like doing that. At the same time, Jimmy was not as dynamic as Miami needed to be, and that is a problem because he's supposed to hit those shots. He's supposed to be able to create offense for himself and get those shots, especially when he's being guarded by Malcolm freaking Brogdon. Like, he wasn't able to get to the line when he drove against Miles Turner, and that was unfortunate. He got his shot blocked there. Maybe he was expecting the foul call to come. It wasn't. I saw some complaints about, you know, a disparity in the foul call. I didn't necessarily see it. I know they didn't shoot a lot of free throws. I never blame free throws. I rarely, rarely have even pointed them out over the five years, six years of me doing this podcast. I'm never going to talk about free throws as a real reason why a team loses. But Jimmy is looking for that foul call, and he's not always going to get it. And so he needs to be able to rely on something else as a go-to move in order for him to get that bucket. Because if not, there is a designated bucket getter on this team, and that's Tyler Hero. And that's my second question about Saturday's win. Already, with this season playing out the way it has, is the team relying too much on Tyler Hero? This was actually a question that was poised by good friend Rowan Notkerney when he talked about Tyler Hero because it just seemed like there was moments during that really sluggish game against Indiana where the offense was non-existent and you're trying to run a pick and roll for Jimmy, you're trying to get somebody open like Max Struess or somebody else, Duncan's running dribble handoffs with Bam, none of it's falling necessarily, it just doesn't look fluid at all, and then you give the ball to Tyler and he just keeps running around screens, and finally he winds up taking that 18-foot jumper and sure, knocking it down more often than he did not. But that doesn't necessarily feel like the right kind of offense. It doesn't feel like you have any sort of clear-cut identity on the offensive end. And that's strange considering you look so good on Thursday. And yet, stranger still, the fact that you've got a clear-cut identity only because of your new point guard on the team. And yes, I know all the explanations about he's a real floor general. He's a real player that can has handled the ball, has handled offenses and things of that sort. But man, that you have to rely on him so completely. And when he's out of the game that you have to rely on Tyler Hero in order to save you, that just does not feel right. That does not instill confidence. Now, having said all that, and I know a lot of people are already starting to Pile on poor Gabe Vincent. The third question I have regarding Saturday's game is, does an upgrade over Gabe, is is that necessary? And I will say flatly no. I, I know a lot of people are already starting to point out John Wall is an option. I know a lot of people are starting to think maybe you need to, look, <laughs> ironically enough, on a really, really strange point guard day for the Miami Heat where Kyle's out, and Gabe Vincent gets put into the fire and can't, unfortunately, capitalize on the opportunity. Miami also ha- happens to draft local player Brendan Knight, former Pinecrest High School player, uh, 
who you know he actually had a pretty okay NBA career on occasion. Uh, he'd been training locally here in South Florida, and then he entered the G League draft. He was drafted by the Sioux Falls Sky Force with their number one overall pick in that G League draft. I know a lot of people are saying, well, he's a player. He's a guy who can develop a little bit more. Maybe he can take over some of those minutes from Vincent. I I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's liable to happen. I, I know the possibility is there. Uh, because you've got a proven guard at the NBA level, but he's been out of the league for some time. And he just hasn't been able to get a job. It's kind of akin to, and not quite because of the age difference, but it's kind of akin to saying Mario Chalmers getting a job at the, in the G League and then getting picked up by another team. I, I just don't see it happening at this point. We'd love to be able to see that, but to my knowledge, Carmelo Anthony is probably the only player that's been basically out of the league for a prolonged period of time. And we're talking about Carmelo Anthony, recently voted, and no no complaints about that vote. Not on my end, but I'm saying just at, by large, nobody complained about the fact that he was voted as one of the 75 best players in NBA history. And this guy was basically out of the league for a prolonged period of time, came back, and has since played with Portland, and now with the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I just We don't ever see that. Players don't miss that kind of time come back and then find a way to latch on to a team. We just we're not going to see it with Isaiah Thomas, unfortunately. We're not going to see it with Brendan Knight. We're not going to see it with Mario Chalmers as much as we'd all like to and I certainly think that uh, my former co-host Wes Goldberg would certainly agree with that that he'd love to see Rio back on the lineup there for Miami, but it doesn't seem ha- likely to happen. There's just too much restriction there regarding the salary cap and everything else. The fact that you're basically going to be forced to pay a significant amount of money if you add another player on this team, you're not going to go over the luxury tax line for Brendan Knight. I had a lot of people complaining, or I saw some complaints, rather. Maybe I want to downplay it a little bit, because I think the vast majority of you accept Vincent for what he is, and a lot of people think, well, you know, Vincent is just not particularly good at anything, but the team believes in him. They brought him back for a reason. They, They extended him, they gave him a contract, because they're a believer in what he brings to the table. He had a bad night. I don't know how likely it is that he'll continue to get significant playing time. But moreover, you've got a player that's currently injured and is likely to make a return at some point within the next month or two. Let's be optimistic here. And that player, Victor Oladipo, is going to get the bulk of those minutes. And that's why you don't necessarily need to upgrade with Brendan Knight. That's why you don't necessarily need to wait for John Wall to get bought out of his current contract with the Houston Rockets. I think you've got a pretty good solution there. Maybe that's putting a lot of pressure on Oladipo to perform. I think he needs that pressure. I think he wants it. I think he wants the chance to prove that he's an NBA player again. That's why you sign the one-year prove-it deal with the Miami Heat, so that he can go and prove it. And I think that's the kind of opportunity he's looking for. That's a whole other issue. We're not sure what's going to happen with Oladipo. As far as Vincent is concerned, he's a fine player. He was asked to do too much, and unfortunately for him, he just doesn't seem to be able to do anything particularly well. He's just he's just okay at everything. He's an okay defender that's a little too small and gets overmatched sometimes. Tenacity, certainly there. I love his effort. I really do. I see in Vincent, and something maybe a lot of you don't see, he is a tenacious defender. He tries He works hard, he fights through screens, tries to use what length he does have to deflect the ball, and it's just not enough. He just is lacking physical tools. He does not have, 
He's not, he's not Frankie uh, Nilekina, you know, the Dallas Mavericks point guard that was formerly with the New York Knicks that was a, a wealth of potential because of his physical dimensions, the way his, his body was built. He was a point guard that could make a huge difference and just didn't have it. So we've seen evidence of this throughout NBA history. There are just players who can capitalize on what their body allows them to do, and there are players who can't. In Vincent's case, he's probably playing above his weight class in, in certain regards because he's just he's not particularly big, and he's going to get dominated to some degree. Look, he was going up against six foot five Malcolm Brogdon. That's a that's a heady player. That's a heavy player to deal with for anybody really because he's quicker. He's not you know point guard quick. But he's just quick enough to get past you, and he's strong enough to where he can draw contact and make things difficult for any defender. That was a challenge for Vincent. Unfortunately, he just can't live up to it. He's also not a particularly great shooter. I just I don't know what happened. I tweeted this during the game, too. I miss the days when Game Vincent was a shooter because that's how he was labeled when he came onto the team, and we just haven't seen it. We have not seen it, so I don't know. He's not he's not Kyle Lowry. He's not creating offense. He's not making plays for others. And so he's out there basically bringing the ball up and kind of looking for his shot on occasion. Sometimes they fall. Most of the time they don't, and so it's unfortunate. But I just don't know that there is another viable option out there that is going to provide a significant upgrade over what Vincent can do. We'll talk a little bit more about... Well, some positives, and I think there is one particular player, aside from Tyler Hero, that deserves some credit, and I'll mention that in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Hey, Halloween is just a few days away, and if you're looking for an indulgent treat, you're thinking about candy, the holidays are coming around the bend, then you know what you need? You need something that's soft, easy to chew, and covered in 100% chocolate. You need Built Bar. None of the guilt, all the flavor, nine delicious flavors. You can choose from any one of your favorites or get a mixed box where you get two of each of those nine delicious flavors. They're great for all kinds of diets. Again, they're soft and easy to chew. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but you're getting all the nutrients you need without any of the guilt. So go to Built.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you get 15% off your order. But that's only if you go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off Built.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Look, it's really challenging to go to one of your typical chain stores for auto parts, and you know you go up to the counter, they ask you questions, you don't know the right answers, they start looking for the parts on their computer, only what they happen to carry in their warehouse. Why well, go through the hassle? You have access to computers, which means you have access to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been in operation for 20-plus years. That's two decades-plus of customer service. Their website is so easy to use. Just a few easy clicks, and you get everything you need delivered directly and safely to your door. Save time and save money by using Rock Auto. Why go to a chain store? Why go to your car dealership? You can go to save money at rockauto.com. And when you're done finding all the parts you need for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Uh, I do want to hear from you. I do I do like getting those questions. I do like hearing early thoughts on this team and the, the potential that they may or may not have. I will say, well, how about this? Let's start off with some something positive before I unleash my 
Monday Madness segment, which I want to hear whether or not you actually want to hear because uh, I think it's something interesting that I have been kind of not necessarily pigeonholed, but I, look, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to it. I like being the podcast host that doesn't sell false hope, that doesn't go too low, that doesn't you know hate on this team, that doesn't overreact to things. And so that could make me a little even keeled and I'll kind of launch into that when I do talk about what makes me so mad on a Monday. But first and foremost, PJ Tucker, man, that guy is a real good player. And look, I, I know I know you could argue similarly to what we were saying about Kyle Lowry before. Tucker is not gonna get a lot of production. But that guy is just a hard ass. You want that dude on your team. Like you have to have a guy like uh, to, like Tucker on there because he takes charges, he puts his body on the line, he rolled his ankle really badly in the second quarter where he was hobbling. I mean, he's older. He can't really afford to take that sort of punishment. I was hoping that he would come back, not come back in the second half because, quite frankly, I don't think you can afford to trot him out there like that for game two. At that point in time, they were down 12-ish, like I said before. They were down by over double digits, and I really thought, oh, you know, this is not a good game to put P.J. Tucker back out there when you're likely to lose anyway. Instead, he wound up playing another 15, 20 minutes of action. Not great for his age, for his injury and injury history. And yet he still goes out there and, and tries his hardest. Like, I mean, you're going to have bad games from him. You're going to have moments where you're going, oh, what the hell is he doing? Why is he taking that shot, et cetera? But you need guys that are willing to sacrifice themselves and their production in order for the sake of their team. And P.J. Tucker certainly fits that category. And I, I like seeing players like this. I like having him on the roster. I think he was kind of an unheralded addition on this team. Uh, it was nice to see him thrive against, you know, relatively, relatively speaking, thrive against the B Bucks because you know that's his former team, and he wants to get a, a you know a small bit of revenge. But against the Pacers, while he wasn't putting up a lot of points, in fact, he didn't put up any. He also wound up, you know, just playing a very, very good overall game from him, and uh, I, I think I think he's going to be appreciated by Heat fans. So just just wanted to put that out there because I think. You guys like P.J. Tucker, kind of under the radar guys, in 36 minutes of play, seven rebounds, two assists, doing the dirty work. And that's important. You need a guy like that, you know, like Joel Anthony during the Big Three era. And I know a lot of people want to bag on Anthony, so it's a lot of fun to just kind of say he doesn't have any hands, he can't catch the ball, etc. I've been there too. I know I have. And yet I think that P.J. Tucker is a welcome addition to this roster. Now, Monday Madness. It's game two of the NBA season. What the hell is everybody getting so fed up with? Like, you want to trade half the roster after a, a stupid loss to Indiana? What is going on? Duncan Robinson isn't worth his contract? Shoot Gabe Vincent? I mean, what, what is going on? Why would you want to treat this team that everybody was so excited about following Thursday's win, and then you... It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here. I have no idea... Why any of you are overreacting to a simple loss? Did it look bad? Sure. It wasn't pretty. It was Saturday. Maybe there's just this incredible frustration as the Dolphins continue to find ways, new creative ways of losing as the Hurricanes slowly eke out, you know, wins in a, meaning, a meaningless season. And of course, you know, the hockey, you know, you've got the Panthers. They're playing pretty well. Why aren't you taking any kind of solace and consolation in that? I know a lot of people were expecting Miami to be what saved South Florida sports, but I got to be honest with you. 
This ridiculous frustration after a stupid loss in game two of 82 is certainly not welcome. I understand it. I get this sense, and maybe this is society in general. I hate getting on this platform sometimes, this this soapbox, and talking to listeners that I've loved interacting with over the years. But I saw people that maybe just, I don't know what they're doing out there. I don't know why they're watching these games because it seems like they hate watch this team. And I know that this is something that a lot of people talked about, this real phenomenon that boggles the mind, at least to me. Like you would spend your time watching something that you don't even necessarily like to trash a human being and Gabe Vincent, to trade away Duncan Robinson because he earned his contract that the team willingly gave him because somebody else was probably to pay him a lot more than that. And yet he accepted this contract to stay in Miami. He's a big part of what this team does, and all of a sudden he's a one-dimensional player who can't do anything, trade his ass. Let's trade Duncan Robinson for X player. Why? What do you think you're going to get that's a significant upgrade over the kind of this space that Robinson provides out there? You always have to be mindful of the threat of Duncan Robinson, even if he's not knocking down 30-footers constantly. He's not Steph Curry. He doesn't have the ball in his hands. He doesn't have a 40-plus usage rate. You know, it's just, just it's a very different roster. And yet, so many people overreacting to this loss. Come on. It's game two. Don't get carried away here. Kyle's going to come back at some point, probably on Monday, against the rebuilding Orlando Magic. And boy, is that, a, a, you know, an, well, not an oxymoron, kind of a redundancy, right? The rebuilding Orlando Magic. When have they been rebuilding? There was a year and a half there when they weren't quite rebuilding. And other than that, they've been perpetually doing that for over a decade. How frustrated could you be? Since then, you've won three championships or gone to the finals five times. You know, you, you've done quite so a lot as a fan of this team. Think about a Magic fan. I know it's easy to just say, oh, there aren't any out there. There are some. I saw them in Orlando. Not a lot, but there are a lot. There are some out there. And let me tell you, that's frustration. That's what you can be upset about. Not a bad loss of the Indiana Pacers. A pretty solid Pacers team when you're missing your best point guard. You know, you're really your only point guard. There's no need to get frustrated. Stay calm. Don't let go of the rope, etc., etc. Come on. Don't make me be angry, Dave, on a Monday. Nobody needs that. You kind of start off a long week. I understand you're probably driving to work right now. You don't necessarily need to get all fired up. But if you disagree, let me know. But I personally don't think that a loss against the Pacers is something worth reacting and certainly not overreacting to. Having said that, again, thank you so much for always taking the time to make Locked on Heat your first listen every day. We appreciate the support over here within the network. We know that you listen to many, many, many shows, and I know that your days are filled and you want to hear as much positivity about your team as possible, and you find time to make Locked on Heat your number one listen every day, and I really appreciate that. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the episode and today's show, and thanks to all of you for, again, taking the time. This is David Ramil signing off. <laughs>